Brian Winhurst and the Hoop Collective is presented by YouTube TV. Try it free today at youtube.com slash NBA 23. New users only. Terms apply. Cancel anytime. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Thursday afternoon. Joining me from New York City, about to head to Las Vegas for Summer League, Tim Bontemps. I mean, my first time seeing Tim McMahon in a very long time. Not sure how I feel about it. Oh, he's going to Vegas too? Summer League. Summer League connoisseur, Tim McMahon. Oh. Joining us from Las Vegas, just back from Summer League in in, uh, Salt Lake City and apparently going to Las Vegas. I got to say. McMahon is wearing a Salt Lake City Summer League shirt, and it is a sweet logo, is Van McMahon. Look at that. Look at that. Howdy, partners. By the way, I am sure how I feel about having to see Bond Timms. I am quite certain about it. <laughs> hey, you're delighted. Just like always. Buddy. I didn't know you were going. I didn't know you were also going to Vegas. A little, so little pit stop. Hey, I've got, I've got Summer League action tonight, too. It's fifth grade Summer League. I'm coaching, baby. How many technicals did you? Did you, are you I've never picked up a technical. I'm, I'm not, not, as a... As a coach, I've never picked up a technical. Well, we're waiting for Brian to come on the pod because he had better things to do. McMahon was regaling uh, our producers, Jackson and Bruce and myself, with his coaching techniques with his sons and how he hasn't got how he's gotten on the wrong side of rest, not gotten thrown out of games. It was all very entertaining. <laughs> Did you guys see the the video of the Peach Jam that's going on in uh, Georgia right now? The, the famous summer uh, AAU mm-hmm. tournament where. LeBron and Rajon Rondo are like coaching their teams and they're like in the they're in the huddle with the with the dry erase board. Um it's it's saw awesome. Cooper flag dominating, that's for sure. Saw yeah. that. By yeah, the I way, that's it. in go ahead, McMahon. What no go ahead, Cooper Flag, Maine, probably the best player from Maine since me. <laughs> yeah, if you don't know, There's now that lot. we have Victor Wembanyama into the NBA bloodstream, mm-hmm. um, the prospect that a lot of people are excited about is 16-year-old. Cooper flag well, who, him, him and Cameron Boozer, son of yeah. Carlos Boozer. Those are the next well, two guys, right? Uh, Carlos Boozer has twins and I think they're mm-hmm. both very special, but Cameron, especially Cameron's um, the better one as of now flag is going to IMG Academy, I believe. And I'm not sure where Cameron Boozer is going, but um, I, thought, I, I thought, thought flag was at Montverde, but I could be wrong. Oh, is it Mont- I'm going to check mm, okay, right now. Well, I, this is Gavoni's territory. I don't mean to encroach. Yeah, he but, plays uh, in Montverde. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Right state, oh. wrong school. Anyway, so those are sort of the next up and comers. The Americans finished out of the medals at the U19 World Championships that took, just took place in Hungary. So the last time there was a World Championships, it, it was Chet Holmgren versus Victor Wembanyama in the title match. And it was incredible. And, um, Jade Nivey and Tyrese Halliburton were dominating uh, the U.S. Won. Kenny Lofton was dominating. Kenny Lofton, Lofton was taking it to Victor. Two-way, two-way Lo- star for the Grizzlies. Kenneth Lofton. I don't Jr. two-way anymore. And, anyway, well, that's right. He w- got converted. He actually dominated Victor. Not dominated. He outplayed Victor in the gold medal game. But anyway, our U19 group just got out of the medals. So I would say that the next couple of drafts, not – exactly super duper impressive but the next wave after that cooper flag jackson just told me that uh, flag had 38 points 16 rebounds 11 blocks and six assists it's a second double um, digit block game of the week i believe he's he's he's, he's, he's impressive probably should be playing at the u19s to be honest with you he's only well, 16 but like and uh he led maine united to a win there when maine united is winning in major aau tournaments 
I can tell you as a man who's played in a couple state championship games in Maine, that the talent in that state is not necessarily rich in the basketball department. I was Cooper, talking to um, I was talking interesting to a prospect for sure. I was talking to a scout who was there also Bryce James is playing there sort of one of his first big events um mm-hmm. uh, LeBron's uh younger son and they were telling me that Cooper Flag when he blocks some of these shots looks like he's playing volleyball that a ball will go up and he spikes it to the ground like he's playing volleyball. He's I probably playing and a little bit too young he probably needs to elevate a little bit but I got volleyball vibes from uh, from Chet Holmgren in Salt Lake City, but more instead of outside hitter vibes, more middle blocker, the way that he's going up with two hands and just blocking out the sun. Well, wait till you see Victor Friday night in Las Vegas. All right, before we get into Summer League stuff, there was an interesting trade in the NBA on Wednesday uh, afternoon, evening, a three-way sign-in trade, which seems to be happening more. They loosened up some of the sign and trade rules that make these three team sign and trades a little bit easier. And it's, it's led to some deals. The Spurs are really taking advantage, but bond temps grant Williams off of the Celtics, which isn't shocking, but that they did a sign and trade and took back just two second round picks. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. But what did you think of, uh, I'll get, uh, what McMahon thinks about Dallas on the front end, but I'm interested in what you think about Boston, letting Grant Williams walk. Yeah, I think it's a significant loss and they very clearly cheaped out. I mean, Brad Stevens said when they made the Chris S. Porzingis trade, he said at the press conference, we got the green light to spend. That was a direct quote. Well, they didn't have the green light to spend very clearly because the San Antonio Spurs not only got Reggie Bullock, who's a useful player. They also got an unprotected first round pick swap in 2030, which will be Luca's 11th or 12th season in the NBA. No, I believe it's 12th. No, no clear indication he's still going to be in Dallas at that point. And if he's not, that's got a chance to be a very juicy pick. When, by the way, Victor Wembanyama will be in year seven and could very well be dominating the league at that point if things go the way he and the Spurs hope. So that's an incredibly juicy asset. And to send out a good player in Grant Williams, I mean, look, he's a flawed player. He's sort of a PJ Tuckerish type, right? He's never going to score twenty points in a game, but. He's a very versatile defensive player. He's a guy who hits 40% of his threes from the corners. He knows how to play off stars. I think he's a great fit in Dallas with Luka and Kyrie. And he signed for a mid-level deal, totally reasonable contract, especially with the cap dramatically escalating over the next several years. That That's going to be like a 10th man contract. The four years, the 54 end of million? Is that what it was? Yeah, he got the full mid-level. And by the end of that deal, like that's going to be, you know, fringe rotation money. And Grant Williams is a guy who's been played, played in the NBA finals two seasons ago and through the whole Celtics run was one of their highest minute players. And even though Joe Missoula went in and out on him this past season, when the chips were down in the conference finals and against Philly in the second round, he was playing and playing a lot of minutes and guarding guys from Jimmy Butler to Joel Embiid. So to see that guy leave your team to get essentially nothing in return, especially in a deal where, again, Reggie Bullock and this first-round pick swap, by far the best assets in the deal, go to San Antonio for just taking on the money. It's very obvious that the Celtics just could not spend to the same degree they did last year. And look, it's one thing if you're a team that's not that good and you're bumping up against the tax, you go, hey, you know, we're gonna we're not going to go into the tax for no reason. When you've got a team that's got a chance to win like this and – you let a guy like this walk for free when 
you know, these like people keep referencing these second apron rules. Oh, Boston's got to avoid the second apron. Basically, all the owners' second apron rules, other than not being able to use the, the taxpayer mid level, that doesn't come into effect till after this season. So all the all of that excuses are just out the window. This very simply comes down to the Boston Celtics are not willing to pay to have a top eight player stay on their team when well, they have a in roster. The tax. They're in the tax. They're in the tax already. They're about $10 million into the tax right now. They'll probably end up somewhere close to 14. And last year they were 26. And it's pretty obvious to me that despite Brad Stevens saying they had the green light to spend, they had a red light to spend to the level they did last year. And because of that, their team is, I think, fairly significantly worse for it. Mm-hmm. And I don't you know about say significantly he's worse. Well, but here's about, the thing. But, but they just lost. This way. I would rather have had Reggie Bullock for $10 million on one year and that pick swap than save some money but it we also well, don't know how much money they're going to spend yet we don't know what they're going to do with other well, moves they basically don't have any other way to take on money unless they make a huge trade which maybe they will but here's what here's all i'll say they lost one of their top eight players they don't really have a way to replace them and of their top seven guys now robert williams al horford chris asporzingis and malcolm brogdon are all pretty massive injury concerns mm-hmm. so you know, might help to have an eighth guy who never gets hurt, can guard a lot of positions, and is a really good spot up three point shooter to play off your stars. I don't know. Right. That's and but the Porzingis deal did make their front court a, a pretty crowded situation. Um, while Williams can defend a lot of positions, most of his minutes will come at the fours, you know, or did come at the four in Boston for the simple fact that you've got two all NBA wings, right? So I get it from, from a Mavericks perspective. Dude, he is exactly what they wanted. They wanted defense, toughness, IQ, shooting. He gives them all those things. This guy is, you know, for the last three years, just a, a, a tick under 40% from three-point range. Obviously, he can defend a bunch of positions. Um, you know, no doubt about his toughness. Look, is it is he limited? Sure, he's limited, but that's why he, he's not a, a $20 million per year player. Um, you know, talking to, to Mavericks folks before free agency, you know, because they've been linked to Grant Williams for a long time because of the fit, because he's also represented by Bill Duffy, Luca's agent. I mean, the guy even wears Luca's shoes. He got Luca's autographed jersey delivered to him in the locker room yep. while I was asking him about wearing Luca's shoes against him this year. But the concern for the Mavericks was what what's the pathway to get him? Like they were just like. You know, would Boston match? Is there a sign and trade that makes sense? And hey, they they gave up a significant price. I love the fit right now, but let's not act like this is some kind of a freebie deal. Um, I do think you know, just a simple swap of Bullock for Grant Williams is an upgrade, an immediate upgrade. But also, they just needed more size. Like Bullock is is better defending guards than he is, you know, the bigger forwards. Where Grant Williams, obviously, you know, it, it's the other way around. And Man. he got a cost control for four years too. Yeah, a good no, deal. It, it, it's a very like I love I love the the money. I love the fit. I think Grant Williams. I'm much higher on Grant Williams apparently than uh joe missoula yeah because i was watching him in the playoffs saying why the hell is grant williams sitting on the bench waving a towel like he was a huge part of you guys getting the finals last year so i think that's phenomenal that 2030 pick swap though is a pretty potentially hefty price just like 
that 2029 first round unprotected first round pick they gave up Mm -hmm. in the Kyrie deal. Like this is a team that has really gone all in on this roster in terms of sacrificing some future draft assets. Um, And it's interesting because they didn't go like the expectation when they tanked to, to keep the 10th pick was that they would flip that for immediate help. And they went the other way. They they moved back two spots and were able to turn that into a, another pick. But you know, maybe maybe Omax Prosper, a little bit older rookie, maybe he can play a, a a role this year. But getting Grant Williams means you don't have to have him. Like he can earn minutes, but you don't have to rely on him. And then Lively Lively's going to get some minutes, but you know he, he averaged five and five last year. Duke. He's raw. He's a developmental. Uh, player, and by the way, they just hired Alex Jensen, uh, who spent the last decade in Utah. And w- other than Rudy Gobert, the guy who gets the most credit for Gobert becoming a defensive player of the year three times, a multi time all NBA player, is Alex Jensen. So, you know, I think he's going to work with Derek Lively, and, and that's a great thing for Lively. But again, I love, <clears throat> I love Williams fit now. That it's a significant price, though. It's a significant price that pick swap. Yeah, he's sort of a he's not the quite the same defensive quality player as Dorian Finney-Smith, but he's kind of a replacement, which mm-hmm. who they lost in in trading for Kyrie Irving. So they've done a, a they've done a decent job in bolstering their um, rotation, which what they lost in the Kyrie trade, and they now have some assets that potentially they could trade if they need to the two guys they drafted this year josh green although josh green's going to play a bigger role now that bullock was traded but they're in a Jayden better Hardy's sh- also a guy that teams ask about he for sure early when teams call or the match they have some stuff yeah they're in a much better position roster wise than mm-hmm. they were after the Kyrie trade which is what you need to see now they need to perform better on the court um and by the well, way san thing, antonio like- no, go ahead. Go ahead. San Antonio just picking up Reggie Bullock and that pick swap, and they can flop out Bullock later on this year. My guess is that they will. Well, I shouldn't absolutely. say that. There's a de- there's a decent chance they will look to retrade him later on. And he's absolutely the kind of guy him. that they'll. He's absolutely the kind of guy at the trade deadline that'll at least get him a couple seconds or something as an expiring contract three and D wing. Like those guys, that'll get him something for sure. Whether it's a first with taking money back or just some seconds or whatever, they'll. If they flip him, they'll turn him into value for sure. And 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 he gets a lot of he got a lot of flack from Mavericks fans. He does tend to have awful shooting starts to the season. It's like his he doesn't find his shot. It's like it's under the Christmas tree. Oh, there's my shot. <laughs> but listen, Reggie Bullock played 40 plus minutes per game for that team during the playoff run to the Western Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was a very nice addition for them well, with the mid-level uh a couple of years ago. And he's a career 39% three-point shooter. Like he's a solid, like he's exactly the kind of three and D wing that every contending team is looking to have. And I, you know, he'll be somewhere in a few months, probably. Um, and yeah, like I mean, between that pick swap and the Atlanta picks that San Antonio has, like you look at them going forward, like I know we've talked about, you know, they've been talked about as a team, like maybe they poke around on Dame at some point to me. They need to just let this thing organically grow with these young players they've got, and they've got ammunition down the road. Like they are, they're doing a great job. I think just organically letting this thing grow with the young guys they've got and Victor 
They've got future assets to stockpile down the road to add to it. Like, you know, obviously you get Victor one, but yeah, but you feel good about where you're headed, but the Spurs, the Spurs are in a pretty good position to be, oh, yeah. you know, set up for quite a long time now with the way they've put this thing together. For sure. And they've got, they've got vets who can space the floor around uh, their young guys, you know, and, and, you know, particularly around Vic. I will say that you, you might find some people around the Mavericks facility who w- would whisper that uh, moving Bullock in the trade is the one benefit is that Jason Kidd can't play him over Josh Green now. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Uh, Before we move on to summer, before we move on to summer league, I think Bontemps has some trivia. The trivia question is presented by YouTube TV. Try it free today at youtube.com slash NBA 23. New users only terms apply. Cancel any time. Bontemps, what do you got? Well, I also want to talk about the Lakers, but before we do that, well, uh, I believe this question might, might, you know, we have discussed it beforehand. This question might be timely for this exact well, moment it, of the podcast. I know. I just was letting the people know what's listen, coming after this because everybody guys. wants to talk about how great the Lakers offseason was. But for the trivia question. And now to present today's trivia question, the whiz of the quiz, Tim Bontemps. According to Second Spectrum, there were 11 players this season who guarded guards, forwards, and centers, each position group, for over at least 750 times. So in other words, they each. So in other words, they guarded across positions more than any other players in the league. I'm not asking you for the whole list. Okay, so Grant Williams is one of them, obviously. Yes, Grant's one of them. There were 10 other guys. There were 10 other guys. Uh I'm asking you for five of them because that's the, the list of them I have, and they're all... Much higher star name players than PJ Tucker. So PJ Tucker's not one of him. them. He might be one of them. I'm saying the five names I have are of a hot, much higher star power quality than PJ Tucker. What the hell kind of question is this? I'm just they're <laughs> star defensive players who are versatile. That was the point. Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon is not on the list. What? Mikhail Bridges. Not on the list. Yeah. I'm, Think about it. Guards, forwards, Draymond Green has got Draymond, be. Draymond is one of them. Jaron Jackson Jr. wouldn't be. Jaron is one of them. Okay. Yeah. All right. They're, they're... Actually, I take it back. There's four guys I have. I, I was, it was including Grant. It's Grant and four guys. Draymond and Jaron are two of them. So there's two more. Draymond, Jaron. Bigs, versatile defensive star bigs. Gobert's not on this list, is he? No, he's not. Hmm. I'll give you a hint. They played in the first round of the playoffs against each other this year. 
played in the first round of playoffs against each other. Let me refresh my memory. Star defensive. Star defensive. Oh, Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis. No. Dang it. Not AD. Okay. I thought AD versus. uh, versus One of them played in the. One of them also played in the finals after beating the other one in the first round. Bam Adebayo and Giannis. Bam and Giannis. Okay. Good job, Wendy. The point of the question was to just highlight that, again, for people saying, like, this guy isn't that good. He. There are not a lot of players that can guard across positions like this. And I, for the price that they paid in salary, obviously the draft pick something else down the road. But I think he significantly makes Dallas better. And I really do think, you can say what you want about the Celtics having three centers. I think this is a significant blow to them in large mm-hmm. part because you just are not going to have all three of those centers ever playing all the time. So and when you we'll when see. you have Luka and you have Kyrie, you don't necessarily want to add a guy who his strength is, you know, dribbling the ball. Like you want, you need guys who space the floor, knock down shots, and move the ball. Yep. And that's this guy. Uh, Josh Green developed into that type of guy last year with the ability to, to certainly attack closeouts and the ability to run. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. You know, they, they, we'll see what they end up doing at center. Another guy, Mass fans are weirdly down about is Dwight Powell, which like the idea of Dwight Powell making $4 million a year and being part of a center platoon being a bad thing. I don't understand. Yeah. And the idea of Dwight Powell as a mentor to Derek Lively being a bad thing is completely ridiculous. Yep. They've had a good off season. Seth Curry is a nice pickup too. I mean, they've, they've done it like Brian said before, they've done a really nice job of adding some depth and versatility to their roster. Like the West is going to be, Really tough this year, though. Like, I'm not even convinced they'll oh, make yeah. the playoffs, even though they've had a good offseason. No, it'll it's, be difficult. It's tough. And look, the Rockets went out and spent a lot of money. And like, how many teams are, are they going to be better than in the Western Conference? I mean, it's a there's there's a lot of teams. The, Cav- the Cavs also did a decent job of building up their rotation. <clears throat> they kept Karis Levert at a reasonable contract number. Um, were able to get Max Struess. They Paid a pretty penny for that. Um, Struess wasn't as good this year as he was last year. And, you know, the Heat let him go, and that says something right there. But, um, man, did you know the Cavs played in the West? I didn't know that. I'm just talking about teams that made big trades that, that built up their, their like, know. you know, I'm just, just, I'm just uh, laughing at us. And our man, bang, bang, George Niang. Bang, he's bang, got, baby. They got some rotation players, kind of like the Cavs did. Hey, it was pointed out to me, and, I, and we missed this when we had. I guess he's bang bang now. He's not the minivan. Uh, we didn't catch this, but when I when I mentioned the minivan nickname, he said, "Yeah, I got to Philadelphia, a real sports town." Uh, there were there were some ears in Salt Lake City that perked up when they heard a real sports town. <laughs> well, George 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 is a Northeast guy, and they do have more than one major league sports. Well, I guess the I guess the, they have Rail Salt Lake and uh, Salt Lake City too. Yeah, that's right. There it is. They have the bees Rapping. too. They also have the um, bees. Okay, so and the birds. Bontemps has got some. He wants to say something about the Lakers, McMahon. So just take a seat. Just take a take a second. <laughs> well, no, I, it's hey, I. The I have a, fans love nothing more than Bontemps and. Oh, uh, I know. Well, <laughs> Lakers, longtime Lakers blogger Anthony Irwin brought up something yesterday that I hadn't honestly thought about, which is that the Lakers have essentially ducked the tax with this roster they have. They're just below the tax. They're probably going to be out of the tax, and. So essentially, I wanted I, I hadn't thought of this. And I wanted to ask you guys a question to sort of reframe the way the Lakers have gone through this offseason. Would you rather have 
Gabe Vincent and Torian Prince, which the two guys they signed from off their team, essentially forget the minimum guys that hard capped them for the year. Right. So you have those guys and you're hard capped. Or would you rather have the $28 million in expirings from Malik Beasley and Mo Bamba, plus your draft picks and other stuff to go potentially add significant reinforcements during the season? What's the better path? Hey, I understand the path that they took, and I think it's the safer path, certainly. So I I probably would have gone the safer path because I, I do feel like if LeBron and AD stay healthy, the Lakers are going to have a chance to make some noise with this roster. And the other, the other major thing is if Austin Reeves continues on this ascent that he seems to be on, um, which, by the way, that contract, wow, is that going to end up being a fun? Yeah. Thing. You want to talk about the one good thing? Like that the contract, real quick, was, was the most thing. No, I understand. It, like it's, I understand why. The but other teams, other teams could have made them have to pay a max in the back two years of that contract, and they didn't. Yeah. So the Lakers got a deal. Yeah. Right. I mean, but it, it wasn't like like they were like. Well, no one's. Yeah. Well, not criti- no one's criticizing. No. Yeah. We're, he got everything he could get given the circumstances, but it is a phenomenal value contract for a high quality starter. Yeah, for sure. That's that's I think you want to point to one thing from the Lakers offseason that's great. It's that you lock up a guy, even if he's just a starter, you get him on that contract over the next four years. It's the same base money that Grant Williams is getting. It's going to be fringe rotation player money by the end of it. Also, by the way, obviously, I'm going to be biased to pay attention to Team USA because I cover Team USA. It's going to be terrific for Austin Reeves to be on Team USA. Terrific. Absolutely. It's going to be a great experience for him. He's on there. Like if you look at the guards he's on there with, it's a it's a who's who of the young guards in the league. It's it's not the A-list in the whole NBA. You got Halliburton, you got Anthony Edwards, um, you got Jalen Brunson. I mean, it's like it's you know, this is the next him, generation. Yeah, it'll make him a lot better being part of just being part of that group. We, how many guys have we seen go be part of Team USA and come back and they take a step forward from spending the summer playing against elite competition? Well, and then they want to play with practice. each other. <laughs> they want to well, play with each other. Plus, you know, yeah. Austin Reeves out there, one of the stars in the league, recruiting to, to L.A. I mean, probably got all kinds of stories about interactions with actresses and such. Well, to me, because I... By the way, there's two guys on Team USA, which is they're, they're announcing it right now as we're recording this. There's two guys on Team USA from Arkansas. Tell me when that's happened before. Who's the other one? Bobby Portis. Oh, that's right. So there you go. Go Arkansas. Yeah. Maybe they didn't I, both go to Arkansas, but just even still. Yeah. To go back to this, though, I just I do find it interesting because, you know, the Lakers and look, you could even argue Austin Reeves could be a significant trade asset for them at that contract if they did want to try to flip him into some other star if they wanted to go that route. I'm not saying they should, but you're right, big man. I think it was safer to get Gabe Vincent in particular. Right. Even though I that might be end up being a bit of an overpay. Um, but. I don't know. Like to me, if you've got LeBron and you're like, we've talked about before, you're going into the age 39 season. I think you've got to be trying to maximize your odds of winning the title. And if they had 28 million expiring contracts sitting around with draft picks down the road to trade and other stuff, like they could get in the mix for, you know, name the star level player. That's an expiring. Like I'm, I'll just say one as an example is to be clear. I'm not saying this is a thing. Obviously they don't have the salary, but like, what if they could go get Pascal Siakam? What if they could go get, you know, somewhat name the other player like that. That's an expiring deal this season that they could get for a couple hey, first hey, later. Hey, Wendy, do, do you think they would have been able to get Tyrese Maxey? 
I do not. Probably not. What? But that's it. Just was an interesting what thought about experiment prime for everybody magic saying Johnson this has been a great prime magic. <laughs> anyway, I, I I just thought it was an interesting thought experiment uh, to look at their offseason a little differently that I genuinely hadn't thought of until yesterday when I saw Anthony tweeting about them hard capping themselves with the Gabe Vincent thing and how they could have taken this other path and hmm. you know maybe it all work out great but you know essentially that's what their offseason came down to have the mid level. And sign a player like that or keep these large expirings and see if you could make a big trade. Well, and I, I I also think that the Lakers probably have some sensitivity to star chasing at the expense of depth, considering the way that worked out the last time. I guess my argument would be, though, you could have basically had the same team as last year. Because, look, during the playoffs, I mean, Malik Beasley and Mo Bamba weren't playing. So you could have based you could have said we want to bring back this whole same team and then had 30 million in expirings to go try to add a significant piece. I suppose I would say though that no matter I I am in agreement with you that it, uh, this isn't an executive of the year summer. I think his last 11 months, Rob Plinka's last 11 months have been strong sure. after what I thought was a poor execution last July. I think trade deadline and this he's done very well to rebuild the roster. And they now are nine guys deep. Now you still have to have AD and LeBron healthy. So it's no, no yeah. real difference there, but they are now nine guys deep. If they kept Bamba and Beasley, I mean, I, Beasley would have his moments, but um, which by the way, it was a nice value signing for Milwaukee to get Beasley. I mean, I'm not saying that Beasley is, um, is like yeah, on a minimum. He's a fine addition. No, no question. for sure. I think, I think you're probably better off with the line with what they have, but there is some opportunity cost there. And I will say this. I think the contracts that they signed are tradable with the exception of, I will see on Hachimura that might've been a little high for him, but there is, if he ends up, if he ends up being more like the player in the playoffs than he was in the regular season, then it will have been a really good contract. So yeah, they're I mean, basically yeah. If he shoots fifty percent from three going forward, he'll be <laughs> he'll be an all star and it'll be great. You know who else feels pretty good about the Lakers' work at the trade deadline? The Utah Jazz. Yes, because they, they have their pick. They've I got can't. that twenty twenty seven top four protected pick. They gave up Beasley and Vanderbilt, which you know Vanderbilt's a nice rotation player who kind of fell out of the rotation in in the last series. Uh, and then they, you know, Conley got sent to uh, to Minnesota, but that's like one reason that the Jazz, well, the reason that the Jazz come up even as a a lurker or a sleeper or whatever you want to call it, and these potential superstar trades is because they've got a ton of picks and some of them could have major value, and one of those is that twenty twenty seven Lakers pick. I don't think anything they did this summer changes that fact that that could have major value. Let me just say two things about that trade. One, I still don't understand why they just didn't take Michael Conley. Well, that's been my point from day one, and I certainly don't agree either. And they wouldn't have... They would have had a little bit more limited resources. They wouldn't have had the money to sign Gabe Vincent, but who would you rather have? And then Conley would be expiring right now. They'd be in better shape. But and look, two, when that happened, okay, go ahead. After two, we'll get back to one. Two, part of the Utah trade was trading Russell Westbrook. And yeah, yeah. regardless of regardless of he went on and did well with the Clippers, but he needed to be off the Lakers. And yeah. part of the reason they succeeded was because he wasn't there. What do you want? What do you want me to say? That's just the truth. 
Yeah, and look, when they made that trade, right? We and we talked about it then. Man, that Conley be such a great fit there. Why Russell instead of Conley? And the reason that really kind of made sense was, well, one of them is an expiring contract, and should they want to go into the free agency market with a ton of cap space this summer, they've got a pathway to do it. They opted not to. They opted not to pursue Kyrie Irving in free agency. Yeah. You know, I can't sit here and tell you what they're thinking on that possibility was at the time, but that's what made sense. Okay. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. So, McMahon, you were just at Summer League in Salt Lake City. It was kind of a smaller Summer League, but you had some interesting teams there, including the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, where J-Dub, Jalen Williams, looked pretty good. But what were your takeaways from your few days that you spent in Salt Lake? Yeah, Oklahoma City was by far the most fascinating team. And, and unfortunately, it was a uh, – there was four teams, Oklahoma City, Memphis, Philadelphia and obviously Utah, and it was very light on rookie first-round picks. Kaysan Wallace was not allowed to play uh, the couple games that I was there because that deal didn't become official until today due to moratorium stuff. Um, two of the Jazz's three first-rounders um, were out due to injuries. And what then, was uh, Taylor Hendricks' injury? I believe he's got a little hamstring. Okay. He might play at some point in Vegas, but it's it's Same dicey. On- yeah, he's on the wrong side of questionable, I would say, for to, to make he's it. the guy that the Jazz drafted with the number nine pick. Powerful. He's the number nine pick. And then Bryce Sensabaugh is is uh he had a knee surgery late. He's a, the I believe number 28 overall pick. He had a knee surgery late in his college season that he's still recovering from. So he's probably unlikely to play at all this summer. And then Memphis didn't have a first rounder this year, uh, nor did Philadelphia. But look, Oklahoma City especially had a fascinating summer league team and and Jay dub rookie of the year runner up Jalen Williams only played one game <laughs> and he, I, I I sent uh, some thunder folks a text in the first quarter of that and I said I think Jalen Williams has, has seen enough summer league action like he doesn't need to be out here it's 21 points 22 minutes just dominated but the big story was it was the return of Chet Holmgren number two overall pick Liz Frank uh, injury to his right foot had surgery Missed his and you know missed the entire season. Uh, came back and and honestly, the first quarter of of his first game back, it, it looked rough. 
like dude airballed a finger roll. Uh, had a couple of turnarounds that were way off, dribbled the ball off his foot. Then he got in a little bit of a rhythm. But man, this is not breaking news, but this guy has got defensive player of the year potential. His rim protection, and not just you know the, the fact that obviously he's got the 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 reach and the height and the the instincts, and he goes up like a middle blocker with two hands and just like covering up the whole glass basically, but he covers a lot of grounds uh, or a lot of ground. He's switchable. Like there was one time where he switched on to Keontae George, uh, you know, the, the Jazz first round pick who is playing a guard who's kind of a, you know, kind of a Jordan Clarkson starter kit type of guy, but like really can <laughs> the dribble. He is. That's, that's, it's, that's, I know he's going to be playing with him, but that's like the, the comp that you heard talking to scouts. I can get a starter kit. I just, right. But, anyways. And, you know, he starts trying to kind of get in his bag a little bit and Jet's staying with him. And he, he ended up moving the ball. Like, this guy is going to be a force defensively. Um, and, look, will he get overpowered at times? He's beefed up to 208 on a seven on a seven-foot-one frame. He's still extremely skinny. Will he get overpowered at times? Yes. Will he be intimidated? I highly doubt it. He's got a little bit of a nasty streak. He, he does. He's, he's got a contact. very competitive competitive guy and like yeah. didn't i was talking to somebody who was at the game didn't it want he was kind of not looking so good and he got hit in the face like by an errant elbow and like bam like it kind of yeah. woke him up uh yeah from that and, so you know offensively um he's definitely kind of like testing his limits and basically he said hey the last thing i want to do is be timid i'm going to be ing- aggressive i'm going to try to impact the game and then i'm going to learn from my mistakes i'm going to learn from the film my, uh, I did sit a few seats down from the Thunder bench the other day. I resisted the urge to provide my input, but I would have, <laughs> had, had I been, uh, Hey, get Jalen out of the game. <laughs> no, he was Jalen was sitting right behind me yelling at the referee. Cause he was out. Okay. He, he shut it down after one game. Um, the other Jalen Williams was on the floor. By the way, I like that Jay guy Will. too. No. Yes. Jay Will. Right. Second rounder. Um, Chad, Chad does there. There's certainly times where you, I'm saying, Hey dude, you're over dribbling. Like I don't need Chet Holmgren going behind the back and through his legs in traffic in a half court, but he does have some legitimate guard skills. Like there's time, there was one time he grabbed a defensive rebound, pushed it. Uh, second round, Jay, Jay will was out in front and delivered this beautiful touch pass from half court over the defense into his hands for a layup. I mean, I think he's going to be a a really, really good complimentary offensive player, which it's great. Number two overall pick, but it's not like the weight of the franchise is on his shoulders. They have an all-NBA face of the franchise in Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Jalen Williams you know, looks like a guy who a few years from now, we'll be talking about him getting a max extension. He's that good of a player. You know, Josh Giddy is a nice young playmaker. I think Chet is going to be a really good kind of floor spacing, rim protecting guy who he can attack a closeout. Like he can make plays off the dribble. And I'm high on the Thunder, man. I, I, they've got a really, really, really nice young core that seems to fit well together. So speaking I'm, of the Thunder, so their offseason moves, they picked up Davis Bertans, and it looks like they're going to get Victor Oladipo uh, in a salary dump from Miami. So yeah. they're going to have potentially 20-some million dollars plus – in those expiring contracts, plus all the first round picks in the world, they could flip those at some point. 
Plus um, a ton they, of young talent. Like they've got well, young players on rookie deals out the wazoo. They could right. also end up, they could also end up cutting one or both of those guys. Um, I'm, I don't have their roster in front of me, but they're going to have to, they're going to have to cut guaranteed money to get down to, to 15. I think, I think they're up to 18 guys, but I will check right yeah. now to see. So I, you know, yeah, I think they're, the Thunder, yeah, they're at 18 guys. I'll be honest, like the Bertans thing, they took on $23 million of guaranteed money. Uh, maybe it's 22. So, so it's not 22. Like yeah. 17 this year. And then a slice of the salary next year, five next year to move up two spots in the draft. I'm like, boy, that's a high price. And, you know, to, to kind of punt on doing something with your cap space this year, but you know, a team that's, that's that young with that, you know, the, that many guys on rookie contracts. And again, you know, Josh Giddy, maybe, maybe Giddy is the one who ends up being flipped in a trade for something, something major. Maybe not. If not, he's going to get a nice contract. You know, I told you like Jalen Williams, I, based on what we saw his rookie year, I think he, his next contract is going to be a nine figure deal. So my point is this team's going to get fairly expensive pretty soon. And so that's one reason why maybe being super aggressive spending uh, in, in the free agency market in a, in a pretty limited free agency market didn't make a lot of sense for them. Well, if they trade Bertans later, that can kind of be like a free agent move, yeah. number one. But they are they are going to have they have some a they, you know they're going to be a team that's going to beat you, especially at home. They're they're going to increase their wins total this year. Obviously, they've got Shea. If he plays majority of the games, they're going to win a lot of them, especially at home. Jalen Williams, the wing from Santa Clara, J Dub, mm-hmm. excellent. Lou Dort and Josh Giddy. Giddy is a very good third guard, even now, and only as a third year player. He's probably going to be a third guard. Lou Dort, the Dorcher chamber. Um, and I don't know if Holmgren will be a starter for them, but I he's going to get. I think minutes. he is. No, I think he's, Holmgren's he's absolutely going to start. But, and, and look, their biggest weaknesses last year when they were a, a 40 and 42 play in team. Uh, relying on on a bunch of young guys now with SGA as an All NBA player, but their biggest weaknesses were rim protection. Chet Holmgren will be one of the best rim protectors in the league right away, and then perimeter shooting. He's going to help that. He will help the spacing. By the way, um, Jalen Williams, Jay Will, the second rounder, the guy who's kind of a, a so call him J one and J two. That's just what well, we they call them. They call them. They call them. I'm saying, I'm saying we should just call them J1 and J2. We should call them what the Thunder we, fans call. We them don't care what the Thunder fans know. call. Them. Because here's the thing. Well, we have to educate it, our our listeners. Yeah. And guess what? NBA fans are going to need to get to know the Oklahoma City Thunder. Because yes, this I agree. I just this, think if we said J1 and J2 for first and second round, that would be faster than get confused every time. That's all. Because we're getting confused. Petition, petition, Matt Tumbleson, who who uh, stood me up for beers twice in Salt Lake City, the Thunder well, PR, yeah. a, loyal, yeah. a loyal listener and a terrible friend. Um, petition oh, oh. M. <laughs> Jay, here, here's, here's the mnemonic device for all of you. J-Dub, the wing player from Santa Clara, J-Dub. J-Will is the big man. Will, two L's, tall. J-Will, big man, okay. J-Dub, wing. Right. So, J-Will, I like a lot. Like. Bon Timpson and I were talking just before the pod. 
maybe he's a starter, maybe he's not. But if you give me the over-under on 10 years in his NBA career, I'm taking the over. Dude led the league in charges taken last year. He's tough. Didn't shoot a lot of threes, but shot it at 40%. Like, he, yeah. like when you watch him good, shoot, he's got good bones. Shot. Like strong bones. What? Yeah. What? You know what? You know he's what? Just, he actually, he's just, he's strong. He's like big. Like his features are big. He's big. You know what he, he's, he, he kind of reminds me of. He a, has great hair. He they both have great hair. Okay. Actually. Lord, listen, we're not talking about hair. Go ahead and pump up your hair products so you can get some more. <laughs> um, he is a, he kind of is a bigger version of Grant Williams, actually. That type of player. Smart, tough, can shoot it. Uh, you know, just makes, like I said, charge-taking type of guy. And I think he fits really well with Holmgren because, look, what do you what are you concerned about with Holmgren aside from durability? You're concerned about, boy, you know, some of these bruisers, how's he going to fare? Is he going to get, is he going to get uh, overpowered? Jalen Williams will, will probably get a lot of those assignments. All right, well, we set a record for talking about the Thunder on the pod, and we didn't even really talk I, about Shea Gillis-Alexander. Yeah. He's good. Am I, am I going to be allowed to say anything about the Thunder this entire time? You guys have had a 15 minute conversation. Go ahead. Uh, no, because the, you, the you Thunder, won't acknowledge their nicknames. The Thunder are going to make the playoffs. A. I think Chad Holmgren is going to be like Al Horford. B. And C. When you look at Summer League for fans watching, the, the main thing, especially when you see a second guy play to watch for, is if they dominate the games, because that's a sign that they're taking the right steps forward as players. Second year guy. Second year guy. Yeah. What's well, not what I said? No, but don't worry about it. Keep oh, going. Well, I meant second year players. Let him, if let I didn't say that. And Jalen Williams was incredible in these two games in Salt Lake City. One, one game. One game. Sorry, I didn't. Uh, right. Sorry. Yeah. Didn't play the second game. But well, Keegan he, Murray put up 41 in Sacramento. Yes. Again, yeah. like that's what when you watch these, if you see a second year player playing in summer league and they're dominating, that's what you, as far as progressing, that's the expectation for them is to go and in and dominate and then shut it down. He so, scored 21 points in 22 minutes. He was awesome. And yeah. look, by the way, incredibly um, comfortable. By the way, Brandon Miller had a rough time in Sacramento. That's being polite. Yeah, I mean, we'll yeah, see. He had, he, yeah, we'll he see had 13 fouls. We'll All see right, what happens that, Friday. 13 fouls in First round pick, Ochayak uh, Baji, who I, who I like and they like. Uh, he had a double double last night, which is cool. But the problem is one of those. Double-digit numbers was 10 fouls, which is impressive from a wing. It ties an NBA there's record. No, it does. <laughs> there's there's no foul limits in summer league, and there's a reason. Yes, there is. There's 10. You, you foul out 10? with 10 that's fouls. Why yes. That's, that's why he had 10. Record. He didn't yes. have 15. Yeah. Right, he'll die. Right, okay. All right. So before we go, we should talk about what's going to happen on Friday night in uh, in Vegas. Victor Wembanyama going to make his summer league debut against the Hornets. He's or against the uh, against the Hornets. He's probably going to play two games, but we'll see. Um, all right. On these other shows that I've been asked about with Victor, I've been giving a politically correct answer, but since this is kind of like my core audience, I'm going to tell you how I really feel. Okay. I think Victor is going to what? Go on. What, what are we doing here? I sure. love it. Let's, this... I'm, I'm, I'm... I'm full of crap sometimes on TV, but I'll tell you the truth on the bottom. Well, I believe just, what I'm saying. Just an asinine, I, just an asinine series. Of I believe what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not saying I'm lying. I believe what I'm saying, which is that he's going to get embarrassed sometimes. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I think Victor's going to kick ass. But the thing about Victor is that he, some, if you watched him in France, 
he sometimes has these stretches where he plays like five or six or eight minutes and just doesn't do much. Yeah. And then he will all of a sudden have five or six minutes where he does everything. And so I, you know, I just want to say that maybe he has, maybe he plays nine minutes in the first half and nine minutes in the second half. I don't know what it's going to be, but he could play nine minutes in the first half and have one of the stretches where he doesn't do anything. And he's that is not out of He's also a big playing in summer league where guards just run around with the ball and half the time don't pass it. So he's, who knows? I understand. He's not going to pass it to him. He's not a big, he's a forward officially. Well, officially the Spurs list him as a forward, not a forward yeah. center, a forward. Yeah. Well, he doesn't want to be a center and he's not going to be a center. So that'll be that. He obviously is a streaky outside shooter. So he could have a bad shooting night and he could have one of those times. So, and as I've been saying for months now, I, suspect that he will have taught have uh have moments where he people think that he is like a, a a fawn because he loses his balance when he's dribbling because he does dribble a lot and it looks like his limbs are going everywhere and there are times where he kind of looks like he's out of control and like oh my god he's gonna fall down he looks like a that looks like a seven-year-old yeah <laughs> guys guys that tall and that skinny who put the ball on the floor a lot it's not always gonna look smooth right Okay. But I also am going to say that the French league is very physical. They bump him around. They push him and they shove him and they hold him and they grab him and they use their stout guys to knock him off balance. And he owned that league. And so, and he also, a lot of these guys haven't played competitive basketball since February or March. Mm. Now, they are playing, you know, some of the G League guys played a little later, but they haven't played on a team in months. He was playing in the French League finals less than a month ago. So I suspect that he is going to show what he can do. He also has the ability to rise to the occasion. So I suspect we're going to see him play awesome. Uh, but I'm also telling you that there are going to be moments where he's easy to make fun of. And that is what I've been saying on all these shows is that don't fall into the trap. I'm not saying he's going to average 30 and 20. Okay. I'm just there. Don't fall into the trap of seeing him get physically dominated and think that that's all he is. Well, even if that's what happens on Friday night, great rim protectors are going to get got like you will be on the wrong side of a YouTube highlight, you know, or you, you will go viral because you got dunked on. If you're a guy who's going to block two and a half or three shots a game, right? And that, when somebody dunks on Victor, it's going to go viral because of who it is that's getting dunked on. But he's going to he's going to challenge the next shot. He's going to you know he's going to the next time someone comes, he might reject it. Um, and then offensively, it, the the Spurs seem very happy to kind of let him experiment let him you know quote unquote be himself kind of test his limits and you know we'll we'll see how much they you know try to say okay hey maybe down the road let's less of this more of this kind of try to guide that but you know there's going to be times where he he does look like he's trying to do too much offensively i would bet i just don't really care what stats he puts up sure two days ago in or maybe three days ago, the Hornets summer league team played the Spurs summer league team in Sacramento. 
and the Spurs absolutely decimated them, especially with the bigs. So I think that this Hornets Summer League team just might not be very good. And so that might also play a factor into how the game plays yeah. out uh, Friday night. That's all. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm just, I just don't really care how he does in the game, frankly. I'm just excited to see him play. I mean, I don't, there's, I don't, whether he has, whether he goes two for 10 or 18 for 20, I mean, I don't, I mean, to me, it's just, we spent, the better part of a year now waiting to see this guy come over here and play in NBA games and against NBA competition. He's going to play against Brandon Miller and Scoot Anderson and probably his French pal, Bilal Koulibaly over the next few days. And it's going to be really fun to see him playing here and see this thing actually get started. Like I, I, I just am not concerned whether he's making shots or not, you know, doesn't really matter to me. Like, I think it'll just be fun to see him out there playing and see the scene. And, um, you know, even more than this game against Brandon Miller, I'm excited for this game Sunday afternoon with him and Scoot after they went at it in Vegas. And Scoot is certainly a guy who's going to want to rise to the occasion too. And, you know, it's going to be pretty fun to see those guys go head to head this weekend. So I'm just excited to get a chance to check him out and see what he looks like and see that experience in person. Cause obviously you, Brian, have had a chance to do that on multiple occasions so far, but very few people over here have. You think so, Damian Lillard will be sitting courtside for that game? You know, a lot of times a, a team stars, they'll show up and you know support their younger teammates and sit courtside. You Which think- side is he going to sit on? I suspect on his list? I, I, it would be very interesting if he did. And I suspect if they would like things to move along, it would be fairly smart to sit courtside at, at an ESPN telecast uh, game and have a, a chat with whoever's doing the game. I would suspect, uh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm, to be clear, I have no idea if that's going to happen, but I'm just saying if you're, Wanting to apply a little pressure to a situation, it might not be a bad way to uh, to do so. So I will be very curious to see if that happens. Be- before we go, the midseason tournament is going to be announced over the weekend. Uh, Woj already reported. I don't know. I don't think they've released it. It's going to be the finals and semi semifinals and finals are going to be played in Vegas. Um, first weekend of December. First weekend of December, mm-hmm. uh, which is like. In the lull of the college football season, the college football season, I think the championship games will be in the week before. So it is going to be going against the NFL a little bit, but it'll be after college football season. Um, I'm going to have an open mind on it, mm-hmm. uh, but we'll see what sort of how, you know, the NBA wants to make a big deal of it. They want to sell it. It's going to take some years no matter what, but um, we'll see what the league is trying to do with its was it rolls it out and what the details that they're going to say about it. Well, they are very um, clearly they are very clearly going to put a ton of energy into making this a thing because Adam Silver cares a lot about it and the things he cares a lot about get a lot of attention and this is going to get a lot of attention. I mean, we are doing an entire NBA Today show on Saturday that's I think basically just going to be about unveiling all of the various iterations of the midseason tournament and what it looks like and um, how it's going to be played out and trying to introduce it to people. Because, I mean, this is something that, I mean, how long has he been talking about doing this? Five years, mm-hmm. seven yeah. years? Like, I mean, I've been covering the league since the mid two thousands. I feel like ever since he took over in 2014, this is something as a soccer fan, as he's talked about multiple times, that this is something he's wanted to do. It's and not official, clearly... right? But it's probably going to be the Stern cup that you're going to win. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm guess I I that's been talked about. I don't think it's been said, but it certainly would make sense if they do that. And you know, they've I think they've been smart in how they've put it together because it is basically going to be uh, built around in conference regular season games. So you know, it's not going to be like a separate tournament like in European soccer where you could just say, oh yeah, we're going to punt this and we're not going to play these extra games. Like mm-hmm. they're in theory going to be games against teams you're competing with to make the playoffs and you're going to need to play uh, to win those games. So, you know, I think they've at least given themselves, they put themselves in as good of a position, I think, as they can for this to be a relevant thing that matters to some degree. But it will be very interesting to see what kind of buy-in they get from the players and teams because that's the way you're going to really make this something that people can invest in is if the players and teams really are invested in it or instead of it just being kind of a sideshow they have to do. And that's the part I'm awfully curious to see is what is the buy-in for everybody in trying to get to spend a weekend in Vegas in the middle of the early part of December. I'm not, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how much people care about that. You know, it'd be really fun if we like went out there and, and did a live show the night between the semifinals and the finals. That I know Friday we, night, yeah, December we, 8th. We, Wind, Wendy's a man of the people. I think he, I can tell by a smile on his face right now how much he would enjoy that. I think a Hoop Collective live show from Las Look, Vegas on Friday, thing. December 8th would be a pretty good thing. Don't you, McMahon? These guys have I been do. browbeating me to do it. It's been brought up internally by the uh, some of the executives at ESPN. Look, let's just do this. I don't look at the comments on I- YouTube. Put in the comments. Give me a reason why I should do. I should approve doing a live show on Las you Vegas. You should approve. You're an employee, bro. Do what you're told. And tell us, Jackson, you, tell us if you'd come out or not. Tell us that. <laughs> Can I do Listen, it on Zoom? Jackson, the Podfather's out of control here. He sure is. Jackson. The producer, our producer Jackson Jello, will report back to me because I don't look at him. So if you think we should look, do it, here's why know, everybody. Know, here's why you everybody. You got to convince me to do it. I don't because here's the thing, guys. This is real talk. We're not performers. <laughs> I, I can't I freaking for juggle. Yourself. I hey, can't well, juggle. A, we're gonna I, get up on a stage and we're gonna do this. Uh, listen, people who here, come are gonna are gonna be entertained. I had a performance joke about a former sponsor, but I'll bite my tongue. Well, forget that. This somebody, one of the three people who's on this guys. podcast was just the oh, subject of an oral history uh, feature essay in a fairly prominent magazine, all about a performance he gave on television. Oh, I'm not a not performer. A, you're not a performer. No. What's going on with Wendy? I think he's no. got real performance potential. Please. Anyone who's a fan of this podcast should want us to do a live podcast just to have Brian have to actually do it because it a we think it'd be fun to interact with our listeners, unlike Brian. And B, Brian would try to be a stick in the mud and would not be able to. Hey, I love it. I would it's fly big. in. I would take a car to the venue, oh, do stop. it, and go out the back door <laughs> and leave and go meet at the airport. Hey, a live show with a meet and greet with Brian Windy Windhorse. Meet and greet. No, no, 100%. I didn't agree to that. Yeah, no, meet no, no. and greet. Uh, mm-hmm. I love interacting with listeners. Appreciate you folks. A lot of people came up to me at the Salt Lake City Summer League and Pretty damn near consensus opinion was Bontemps flaps his gums way too damn much and doesn't let me talk enough. And I tell you, I had to agree with those and appreciate the feedback, especially when it's complimentary to me and insulting Bontemps. Although one guy did, this is a true story. I'm walking in the concourse to uh, 
head to a concession stand and we're not going to get into some of the concessions issues that I ran into. But a gentleman stopped me and he said, are you Tim Bontemps? And I <laughs> unleashed a stream of expletives, a stream of expletives. He corrected himself. I mean, McMahon, I said, okay, don't you just <laughs> the wrong start there. Oh man. All right. Thank you for listening to Hoop Collective. Thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective Podcast. Thank you to Bontemps. Thank you to McMahon. Thank you to Jackson. Thank you to Bruce. So now it's on the schedule. What five months from now? We're gonna be getting ready to go to Vegas, gonna be going to the 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 midseason tournament, final four, live pod. Oh man. Hey Bon Bontemps might have we might have a dry run. We we maybe Maybe we'll uh, have a little <laughs> informal meet and greet Sunday night in Vegas. What do you think? Why Bob? do I think Ooh, that that is wow. not going to be dry? Why do wow. I think that's not going to be dry? <laughs> I mean, informal meet and greet. Look, we'll we'll put something out on Twitter. If folks want to come wow. say to us at a, a local establishment, then we'll, we'll find a good one. In all seriousness, this had not been uh, something we discussed before. But yeah, that would be, uh, you know, I think that I would know, be fun. If I know Bontemps, he's got a rubber arm I can twist to make it happen. <laughs> I would absolutely, I am absolutely not committing to anything. You're not even going to be in Vegas this weekend. <laughs> not on Sunday, this whole thing that you're trying to. Oh, you are. Uh, you're all so in, baby. You're already all in. Listen, I'm for, not again, committing. Peel back you're the all in like the, the Phoenix Suns, baby. That's right. Win now window. That's right. I can't believe you just gave that whole speech about it. That's proof you're all in. This thing's happening. I am not all Let's in. Let's go. No. Let's go. Thank you for the Soup Collective Podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Adios, amigos.